Welcome back, everybody, to your creativity. We are teleporting ourselves to California to talk to an, a longtime friend of mine, uh, Dale Allen Rouse. How are you? I'm really good. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. I think this is, like, officially the first uh, time us talking face-to-face. I know. It's not ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Each other for years. Yeah, about a dozen years, I think. It was, yeah. um, I think, through... Uh, Ollie through. Uh, That's right, because we went through the same graphic design program. Yeah, at Eagle Gate College, which right. doesn't do graphic design anymore. Oh. So, I don't know if our, our diplomas are still good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I'm making money off of it, so. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but um, you are a multi-hyphenate uh, creative. Uh, go through some of the uh, type of projects you've worked on. You've worked with Celine Dion and on Broadway and stuff like that. Tell- sure, sure. I'll give you the, <laughs> the Cliff Notes version. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, as a kid, I wasn't really into sports, but I was kind of overweight and my parents were trying to get me to do something. So they, I, you know, the agreement we struck was that I'd go to dance class. Okay. <laughs> 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 and so I started training um, when I was 10. And then uh, uh, I uh, was accepted to the Royal Winnipeg Ballet School, which is a very prestigious ballet company uh, and ballet school in Canada, um, where I kind of went uh, through high school and graduated there. So I danced uh, professionally um, with ballet companies for close to 18 years. Um, I did a Broadway show. I was a backup dancer for Celine Dion for many years. Um, but while I was doing that, because we would be on the road and be on tour all the time, you know, just traveling from city to city to perform, I would, um, and th- this is like aging me at this point, but this is because this was back before personal handheld computers and all that. So you needed something to do on the bus. Yeah. Right. As we were on tour. So I started uh, hand sewing. Um, my mom was a sewing teacher and I felt comfortable with that. And, you know, it was something to do. My friends were all having babies. So I thought, well, I'll just, you know, put together some little fabric squares and make a little baby quilt for gifts. And so I started doing that. That's when that started. So and then that kind of took off. And when I stopped performing, that was kind of my artistic and creative outlet. From there, I went to school for graphic design, you know, in order to improve not only my job, which was at the time real estate um, and marketing, but also um, to improve just my color theory and my ability to actually make, you know, beautiful work uh, with my quilt design. So then that continued on. And then I started designing fabrics and then I started designing quilt patterns and then I started designing everything else in the industry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I did that for a while. I've kind of stopped and gotten away from that for a little bit. I just, uh, it was just like the right environment for this situation, which tends to be <laughs> a, a little incongruous with <laughs> the quilting world. Um, so I, uh, I've moved away from that. But in the meantime, I um, also I've written um, a couple of books which are going to be published. The first one's going to be published this year. Um, I, yeah, I play the piano. I, um, you know, if there's something to design or along those lines, I'm all in. So that's kind of uh, it in a nutshell. Well, I, I want to talk about the books first. Um, from what I understand, they're semi-autobiographical. 
Correct. So they are based on actual events, but like nobody wants to hear my story. Like <laughs> I wanted to do it in more of a, an interesting way where I didn't have to hold true to, you know, like the laws of physics. <laughs> Those blasted physics. I know they get you every time. <laughs> You know, because I wanted it to be more of a um, kind of a fantastical tale. I wanted it to be able to uh, live in off-grid places, right? Because it is a book about evolution and spirituality. I like to think of it as a cross between the book Fight Club and Conversations with God. <laughs> Quite a combo. <laughs> You know, so that's kind of where, you know, my story lives because I've been through a lot of stuff. I've been through a lot of violent stuff I've been through, you know, and so I wanted, I wanted that to be true and present and on the forefront, because I mean, if you're going to do a story about evolution, it's got to kind of start in the gutter, right? You know, in order for it to have somewhere to go. <laughs> so it's pretty gritty. It's pretty dense. It details a lot of stuff that I've survived in my life. And it's not always pretty. Um, and it was also a way for me to, honestly, I started writing it a bit as a trauma journal to kind of just work through my own stuff. I didn't know I was going to make a book out of it. Right. Um, and so there, there's a lot of stuff in there, <laughs> but it has a good outcome. <laughs> It's quite the it's quite the ride the the story. And uh, foreign to me is the the first one. Um, Correct. What what is that that one specifically about? Since it's the closest to being published. Right. So um, of the three books, the first book is about the main character, Jack, kind of just conquering himself and overcoming like a lot of his stuff in his past. Um, it was also a way for me. To, so in 2014, I was diagnosed with a neurological movement disorder that's in the same uh, family as MS and Parkinson's, but it's the one of the three that you've never heard of. <laughs> it's called dystonia, uh, but it's in the same family and it affects people in the same basic way. Um, so that was another way for me in the book to kind of work through my stuff like around, oh, wow, your future is going to look totally different than you thought it was going to, you know, stuff like that. Um, so it, the first book really is about Jack the main character overcoming himself. Um, the second book is about uh, relationship and interpersonal, you know, relationships. And then the third book is about, um, quite frankly, terror and ascendance. Okay. Yeah. So, so your dystonia. What what kind of effects does that have on you? What what's like a day in the life? Yeah, great question. And I appreciate you asking that because most people, like even my main doctors, I had to educate them on what dystonia is. It's just, <clears throat> I mean, it's the third largest movement disorder that I, you know, said in that family. But um, a day in the life of somebody with dystonia is very different. Some people have it 24-7. I, I mean, look at me. I, I Luckily, I, I get a break, right? And I have usually the mornings where my brain is still fresh to function fully, but as the day goes on, um, I'll start to, like my, my brain will just kind of start to collapse a bit. I'll have problems speaking. Uh, my hands will start to cramp like this, 
right? To the point where I, I, I can't use my hands anymore. Um, writer's cramp is actually a type of dystonia. Fluttering of the eyes is a type of dystonia. So like there's lots of, you know, different ways that you've probably seen dystonia in other people. You just weren't, you know, aware that it's, because it's a really big umbrella, right? <laughs> like anything that moves weird, they don't have another name for it. They just call it dystonia. <laughs> but um, so my, my hand, I'll start to lose my ability to um, speak clearly. If it's really bad, I'll lose my ability to connect to the English language. So my language skills um, go out the door. Um, Tourette's um, and other vocal tics, movement tics, it's all in the same family, uh, start to become more pronounced. Um, and if I'm having a really bad day, um, I'll actually just become, you know, completely incapacitated, nonverbal um, with... Uh, a very difficult time just moving even. So it, it tends to start in my extremities, so my hands and my feet, um, things like that. And then it just kind of works towards my core um, if it progresses, but every day is different. Um, some days I just have little vocal tics and nothing else. And other days I'm pretty much, you know, sidelined. So it just, you just got to roll with it. I don't think that much about it. It doesn't slow me down that much. So long as I get, you know, my work done in the morning, you know. And um, you're also married to your husband, yes. John. Um, uh, how, how does uh, it affect your relationship? You know what? It's one of the greatest blessings that my relationship has experienced. The closeness that we have as a couple, because like, I'm dependent on him, like often. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he's just a natural born, um, you know, caretaker. He just, he thrives, you know, in that world. And so, you know, in a way it's kind of given him some like oddly enough, like purpose in, in stepping up and being able to do that. And like I said, like, we're just so close because of it. Like there are times I, it's, it's hard to describe, especially like when my mind is fully collapsed and I'm kind of nonverbal and I'm not really, you know, able to function like that man pulls up next to me and he just holds me and he just lets me know it's okay. And there is never any judgment from him and he never treats me weird or different. He always maintains, you know, seeing my humanity in every single moment, like even in really like tough, tough human to human interactions where you're having to help someone go to the bathroom, you know, like that level of care. And it's just the way that we've gone through that together as a couple. I mean, we're so much closer now. And it's like, you know, because, you know, I just, I depend on him. And it's like, I just, it's, it's almost hard to put into words how close we are because of it, but that's something we've also been aware of and been working with and been embracing, quite frankly, it's just part of our story as a couple. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. I know it sounds weird, but there are more benefits that this thing has brought to my life than not. That's awesome. That's beautiful that he's so, so caring like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he really loves me. Oh my gosh, this man loves me. And he just, he shows it every day in what he does and how he shows up for me. He's, he's an amazing human. Uh, in the photos from your wedding and beyond, you guys just look so amazingly happy together. Well, thank you. I feel very, very lucky and blessed uh, to have found someone like him. Uh, it wasn't without time and effort though. <laughs> <laughs> That's been quite the journey. <laughs>
over over the years, who who's inspired you in like each one of your you know segments of your life now? Uh, yeah, you know what? Um, that's a great question. So, like as a young performer, um, you know, I really looked up to like Gene Kelly, and you know. Um, I mean, mostly Gene Kelly was like my idol, like as, you know, a younger person, uh, he was just, I mean, the man could move and he was, you know, just really handsome. And, you know, he just, uh, so I, I really looked up to him kind of in my younger years and then, you know, becoming more of a like professional dancer. It was just, um, you know, uh, you know, certain choreographers, Killian, um, you know, we did a lot of pieces with the ballet companies that were um, <clears throat> classically based, but very modern in their approach. And so works like, um, you know, the resident choreographer of, uh, of San Francisco Ballet, Val Canaparoli, you know, he was a big influence in uh, what was, you know, um, I was seeing as good and wonderful and amazing and, you know, avant-garde back in the day. And, uh, you know, uh, Peter Martins, um, he said a couple pieces on us. And uh, so I've always looked up to him, but, you know, there's been other artists too, like, you know, uh, uh, painters and things like this that, you know, Moreau, I've always found so interesting um, and Pollock and, um, you know, there's, I, I love going to art museums and getting inspiration across the board, right? I don't find that inspiration comes from any one, you know, genre or uh, modality. It is, for me, I mean, I can get, uh, I get inspiration everywhere, you know? And so uh, then, you know, I'm trying to think, as I got older, um, people that inspired me, um, yeah, I mean, as a as a as a quilter and as a, a what they call a fiber artist, right, is kind of what a quilter is, is a fiber artist. Yeah. Um, you know, there's certain people in that world, but you know, nobody that you would probably know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would just go to shows, and while there maybe wasn't one person, there were certain kinds of movements, maybe like <clears throat> you know, there's a modern quilt guilds and things like this that tend to do a little bit more interesting work. But myself as an artist, even in the um, quilt world, I still had one foot very much based in tradition, and then the other one, you know, was kind of trying to flip traditional approaches kind of on its head. Um, so that was kind of you know, my approach there. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't tend to have a lot of like people that I, you know, look up to. It's, it's more like movements, you know, like art movements and art different uh, approaches I find really interesting. Even in architecture, you know, I work in real estate. And I've been blessed enough to work with architects and developers and things like this. And even their work, I find interesting when you, you get into understanding the classical lines and approaches to architecture and understand why is that beautiful? What is the math behind something that makes something beautiful? You know, things like that, that I just find endlessly interesting. Back in October, I went to Italy and went through the art, all the art museums and, uh, and stuff. It, it was amazing. I was just in awe of all the different styles and just how ancient and stuff and the architecture there. Yeah. The Pantheon, it's just 
So I, I know exactly what, where you're coming from with that. Uh -huh. um, when you're creating things, what type of situations are most creative? Yeah. You know what? For me, it's a mindset. Like I can kind of open up the feelers of my brain, right? When I'm looking for <clears throat> creativity and inspiration, um, I generally will, you know, chase something that I find new and interesting. Uh, a really great approach is just for me going to a bookstore. Oh my gosh. And just wandering the aisles um, and just finding new topics and subjects that, you know, I find interesting or things that people are talking about that I didn't know, you know, or podcasts like this. Uh, I'm constantly on the search for interesting things to challenge myself with, you know? And uh, so I find inspiration and I did a lot of, so I, I do a lot of YouTube videos, both for the quilting is on YouTube called Quilting Cowboy on YouTube. But then my, you know, more uh, shamanic work, um, I do under my own name, Dale Allen Rouse, which is kind of a spiritual approach to, you know, because um, as a shamanic practitioner, I leverage everything that is right and living in the middle of the woods where I do, <laughs> you know, nature is very much my, you know, religion and uh, spiritual practice, if you will. And so, you know, I even leverage that for inspiration. I mean, I have a hard time not finding inspiration. <laughs> no, I, I hear you. I'm always on the lookout, TED Talks and uh -huh. know, anything like that. Um, you, you, you missed your shaman that your shamanic practice. Um, tell tell us more about that. What the inspiration for the channel and what they can expect from videos there. Okay, excellent. So um, I grew up with a uh, First Nations uncle um, and two cousins that were also First Nations and and lived on a reservation in British Columbia where we lived. You know, just. Oh, but they were several hours away, but I'd get to, you know, meet with them every once in a while. And they were just, they were part of the family. And I was always super like fascinated by their approach to spirituality because I was being raised in a very strict Baptist home. Like we couldn't watch, you know, TV unless it was, you know, Christian something. Uh, we couldn't listen to secular music. Like that was all off. So I was, curious and have always been curious about the spiritual practices of the First Nations tribes. And then when I started to write my book um, last year, I discovered that I wasn't just writing them, but I was also channeling them in a way um, because the information was so coming from beyond me onto the page. Like I was learning about shamanism by what was coming through me and I didn't understand like why it kept looping me back to that. Um, there were also several instances where it would kind of like tell me to write something and I'd write it and it would make no sense at all. And then three or four chapters later, it would loop itself back up. And I was just like, my mind would be blown. Like, I'm like, is anybody watching? Like, am I, <laughs> you know, it was kind of one of those moments. So Anyhow, I wrote these three books basically that leveraged very powerfully um, the work of uh, shamanic practice, right? And so when I was done writing the books, I'm like, 
I should really look into this because it keeps coming up as a very strong theme for me. And I think it was just the inspiration that I got as a kid um, from my cousins and my uncle. And so when I started to look into it, and then I started taking classes in shamanism and I was just like, oh my gosh, this just makes so much more sense to me as an individual and as a spirit than anything else that I've ever been presented with in a church, right? Like none of that really sat, especially as a queer person, like, you know, no one that didn't really sit with me uh, when you have openly homophobic passages, you know, in their literature. (laughs) So, uh, but this is really, you know, shamanism really is just connecting with not only, you know, nature and the spirit of nature, but also really getting still to be aware of things that are maybe happening that you can't see, but are happening around us, right? Like when you walk into a room and the energy feels different, it really is just energy work, right? So um, I started taking classes, uh, gosh, probably... September um, of last year. So I'm pretty new at it still and I'm still learning and figuring it out, but oh my gosh, I truly, truly, truly enjoy it. And it's just, um, it's the answer that I kind of been seeking through my whole life, kind of just as a spiritual person, but haven't really found a practice, you know what I mean? That really fits with um, the way I see the world. So that's kind of where I am with that. Yeah, I've been watching them off and on through the week and preparing for this. And yeah, it's just kind of centering to sit there and just listen to you go through. Yeah. I've enjoyed them. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I really, you know, in my, especially on YouTube, the youtube.com slash Dale Allen Rouse, that channel is really where I do my energy work, right? Where I talk about the power of our own minds and that we can teach ourselves, like, are you as happy as you want to be? What would it take for you and your mind in order to become not only more powerful, but more happy at the same time, right? So I'm constantly chasing down new thought patterns and trying to improve myself from the inside out. That's awesome. I'm like my own guinea pig. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't we all? That's true. (laughs) I'm still trying to figure out shit all the time. (laughs) Well, on a much lighter note, you you were an adult film star. That's right. Porn, baby. (laughs) (laughs) How did that come about? What was that experience like? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, because so having been in the theater world my whole life, like as a performer, like it's not that different for me to go from doing, you know, a Broadway show or a ballet to doing porn. Like for a lot of people, that would be like really (laughs) a big jump. (laughs) But I'm very used to just, you know, performing and being on stage and, you know, having cameras and everything else like that. So anyhow, when I was done like with my performing career and I knew I'm like, okay, I'm not doing, I'm not going back to Broadway. I'm not going back to ballet companies. Cause let me tell you, both of those environments are fairly unhealthy, 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 not awesome, not awesome. You know, and I left, um, so my last performing gig was um, with Celine in Vegas um, as one of her backup dancers. And even that environment was just, I left, 
thinking, well, I'm glad I did it, but glad I'm not doing it anymore, right? Like it just, there was a cost to your personal soul when you go into a work environment and they're addressing you as children and you're 35 years old, <laughs> like, you know? Like there's just an unhealthy disconnect in that way to the point where I couldn't kind of hang with them anymore. I'm like, okay, I think I'm done here because I'm no longer willing to be treated like a child. Um, so when I was done with that, <clears throat> I'm like, oh, oh. so what I, I got done with that. And then I got kind of picked up as a model. Like I start, I kind of launched this modeling career at 40 years old, which is like insane. <laughs> but, you know, um, that was, that was what happened. And uh, so when I quit performing in order to, you know, kind of be artistically satisfied and going on, um, I was getting the attention of a lot of photographers that wanted to work with me. I'm like, okay, this is fun, you know? And so I'd go and, you know, um, work with them. And it, one thing led to another. And the next thing you know, I'm like flying all over the country and doing all these photo shoots and things like this to the point where I was getting the attention of porn companies. So they approached me and they were like, would you be interested in doing this? I'm like, I don't know, would I? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the job description sounds nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? And so I had to really think about it. If that's something I wanted to do. And you know what? I mean, when I got really honest about it, and this is something I talk a lot about on my YouTube channel, is um, allowing ourselves to want what we want. And I was very much working through that idea of liberating myself and allowing myself and giving myself permission to want what I want. And um, I, I finally came to, I was like, I mean, yeah, let's go. Let's do this thing because I really wanted to always have, always wanted to do it, but I was just too, you know, worried about how's that going to affect my future? What are people going to think about me? But um, I was just like, you know what? I got nothing to lose. There's like, I don't see how this is going to, you know, negatively affect my future if I'm just doing real estate. I mean, who cares? I mean, especially here in Palm Springs, every other realtor, you know, has a, a career in porn in their past. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, nothing different there. And, uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, let's just go for it. Let's have fun. And you know what? It was a far healthier and more uplifting environment than any other performing experience I'd ever had up to that point. These people brought me in. They lifted me up. They made me feel good about myself. They did everything that they could to ensure that I was comfortable and feeling good and feeling sexy. And like, they really, like just as a spirit, they really lifted me up. And that was like really kind of new for me in the performing world. So, you know, I uh, yeah, did a bunch of films and that was fun. And, but then I met my husband and he was like, mm, I'm not sure like how comfortable I am with you continuing on in this career. And I was like, yeah, okay. Like I did it, whatever it's, you know, so uh, that's, that's how that happened. Well, how fun. <laughs> yeah, it really was. And you know what? Like I give myself kudos for having the courage to go and do that because trust me, it takes courage. It takes courage. And at the end of the day, like when I'm on my death bed and breathing my last breath, I will always, always be proud of myself for doing that because like I wanted to do it and I just went and did it. And, you know, it's like, I, I don't have any weirdness about it. Like, it, like genuinely it was fun and genuinely it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, I found a few clips of Jury Duty. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I, I'm like all over that film. Oh, my gosh. Like, I'm in every other scene, like, practically. Like, <laughs> Mentally, I re- renamed it 12 Horny Men. Yes, that, that works, too. <laughs> uh, sitting around a, a, a meeting table. What do they call it? Like a conference table. Yeah. Yeah. Not to be confused with the Polly Shore movie, Jerry Duty. (laughs) (laughs) So I've got a few bonus questions to close things out. So um, the first one is, what does creativity mean to you? Oh, awesome. Oh, what a great question. Oh my gosh, that is lovely. Um, So creativity for me is an energy um, that I carry within me that is expansive, that is loving, that is, you know, ever growing, that is continuing to learning, right? It's the opposite of constriction and closed mindedness. It is the expansion of your personal evolution as a spirit. It is your, you know, growth and development. It is the learning. It is the ever more you know, adding to the, um, you know, wonder of how you understand the world and the universe, and then allowing that to come through you as an expression, and being what they call in shamanism, the hollow bone, right, the the vessel, the, 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 uh, the conduit to which we bring information and inspiration from beyond into the physical world. Nice. Yeah, I can't top that. that that's, that's one of my favorite answers to it. Um, uh, next one is, who's your favorite Muppet and why? Oh, that's a great question. Who's my favorite Muppet? Um... <laughs> it's Sesame Street, Fraggle Rock, anything Jim Henson puppet related. Um, I would have to say... There was, there was that little... Um, Muppet called Scotty. Do you remember him? He was kind of nerdy Scooter. and he had glasses. Or was it Scooter? Scooter, that's it. Yeah, Scooter. I'm going to go with Scooter. <laughs> that's a good one. Mine, mine is Gonzo. Uh-huh. And then in the movie of your life, who would you like to play you? Oh, Matt Damon. I can see that. Yeah, totally. Well, that's all I have If you, unless you have anything else you want to add to the conversation. No, that's great. I, you know, really appreciate that. I've been meaning to connect back in uh, with my Utah people and I have, um, there's some uh, spiritual retreats that are going up, um, going on up there that I want to uh, connect with. So I'm trying to get back into um, Utah and visit people, but you know, um, just if if you're at all interested in coming on any of the spiritual retreats, just go to my Facebook page, um, Dale Allen Rouse, and uh, all, all the information gets posted there. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time and have an amazing day. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. The podcast is done, man. <sighs>